Welcome, one and all, throw time and space for this episode of Weebs on the Weekends, the podcast where we break down the anime news highlights of the week and give a retrospective look on an anime that premiered 10 years ago. Today's episode will cover the anime news highlights for the fourth week of February 2022. We will also give our thoughts on to whether, whether to resurrect or rebury the 2012 anime franchise Hiro no Kakira, or otherwise known as the Tamoi Princess Saga. My name is Sam Martinez. I'm a part-time weeb, full-time automail mechanic, and with me as always is my co-host Jay Johnson, who is a part-time weeb, but a full-time English language sensei. Now, Jay, I have to say, like, we, we've talked a little bit earlier, and you mentioned that you haven't had the chance to play uh, Minecraft as much as you wanted, and I would have to say, like, I'm in a somewhat similar boat because I just recently purchased the spider-man miles morales game and i have been wanting to play it. and i played a little bit of it but oh my goodness it draws me back in and i want to play it so much more and i have to say the hype is real um I, I, i'm now i think about it have you had a chance to play any of the spider-man games <laughs> it's weird yeah it's weird you say that because i've kind of been in the space of thinking about getting another a gaming console just because of oh what game just came or a uh, game i'm interested in oh elden ring elden ring it yes, just released it just dropped yeah just dropped what lasts or within the past 24 hours but yeah i was watching gameplay of it the first gameplay footage of it during school <laughs> like it was it uh, <laughs> premiered on like my friday so i was like watching it during my in between breaks and i was like oh wow i need this in my life because i played Sek <laughs> sekiro and I play Demon Souls, so it's from From Software, which is the company that makes all the Dark Souls and Demon Souls games. I was like, oh, this is again was a concept written by George R. George R. Martin. George R. R. Martin. Yeah, George really? R. R. Martin originally set up, and then it came about. Like this was teased back in 2018, 2019, like with just the name Elden Ring, and it's just like weird of a thing to come out like same vein of like cyberpunk uh 2077 <laughs> like the vibe of waiting so long for this game that we don't really know anything about but no 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 jay 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 explain to me because you, you said that you've played uh sekiro and you've also played dark souls what is it about those games that draw people in because i've tried to play niho and i when i i think i've mentioned it on the podcast before i've tried to play it and i didn't realize it was made by the same people and the fact that it was I'm sure, like it pales in comparisons to its predecessors, but it was just so hard for me trying, and like I, I was still within, I guess, like my first world, quote unquote, or my first uh, uh, area or mini sandbox that I'm in. Like you, you start out in this building, and you're supposed to like work your way out, and you get penalized for dying. Like you uh, get half uh, as much, much experience as you can get, and like what is it about that sort of game mechanic where it's just incredibly hard that brings people back to it there's some like beautiful written video essays on dark souls and it's like yeah. littering youtube and like other you know uh, publishing websites that you can go to but for me it's all something that always hits home when i read it like probably a couple of years ago probably half a decade ago now but it's dark souls is basically banging your head against a brick wall waiting for it to dislodge a brick and the satisfaction you get when that <laughs> brick finally dislodges <laughs> when, when, when that brick chips off <laughs> and it's just odd that that's so close to what most dark soul players or from software players like vibe with so hard because no matter how hard you hit your head against that brick you know eventually it's going to get worn down. And it's like a feeling of accomplishment that's like not many people can really experience fully because they have a threshold, but there are some gamers that do get enjoyment from that. And I think I'm one of them. But with the Minecraft comparison, why I've stopped playing is that one of the bugs fixed, I was exploiting a bug <laughs> in the game and it got fixed recently with the update. Oh, you were using hacks? That's what oh was no on. no no it was just like a bug that hasn't been fixed for a long time and they finally fixed it and it kind of ruined the game for me i guess because my whole world or my whole operating system of how i deal with 
the Minecraft world relied on that exploit. And I was like, you know what? Never mind. I'll just <laughs> wrap it up. <laughs> so it's weird that you can get into like the vibe of playing a certain way. And then when that way doesn't uh, work out anymore, you just switch a game. So I was thinking about just no longer playing my Nintendo Switch, getting onto this Elden Ring uh, bandwagon. But yeah, I'm excited for it. But how about you, Sam? What's up with your gaming life? So, like I said, I've uh, just been mainly... I, I have been trying to play fi- finish playing um uh not the the name is escaping me and uh the ghost of tsushima i was playing through the ghost of tsushima mainly because i i can't remember i think we, we were talking off air and we, we were talking about star wars visions and i was i think it was around the same time that the book of boba fett was coming out so it was just this very hyper uh, old school Japanese uh, type feel. And I was also listening to a, another podcast called the Samurai Archives. And they were talking about Ghost of Tsushima. And the thing is, uh, the guy that was making the podcast, uh, this is kind of like a knock to him, but also a bit of a nod because he had somebody on the podcast that was an actual uh Japanese historian who knew a lot about the culture uh, during the time period of Ghost of Tsushima, but the podcaster did not play the game, and uh, because he was just a Microsoft only type guy, and it just made me mad. It's like, how the hell are you going to have a podcast on a video game and you didn't play the video game? You know, it's like, uh, so like I sort of uh, rage played uh, Ghost of Tsushima for a little bit. Uh, and also because I had just finished watching uh, Hidden Fortress too, so I was in that scene. And I, for some reason, I guess because of what was going on with like Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, things like that, like I finally just broke down and bought Miles Morales because I was trying to save on getting Miles Morales because I heard that it was glorious on the PS5 and I wanted to have that as my first PS5 game. But with what's been going on with uh, the weights for PS5s and whether or not, uh, like, their limited um, availability, things of that nature. So I figured, since I still have my PlayStation 4, let me just go ahead and just enjoy it. And it's really good. It's uh, interesting, like, how different it is just because, like, they really take music cues from the Enter uh, the Spider-Verse and how that sort of added a new layer to the Spider-Man mythos. And as I said, I've just been uh, enjoying it there. And I think it's also kind of good to talk about the video games uh, that that we did, uh, especially because of the anime uh, that that we have for today, which is uh, Hiro no Kakera. No, yeah, yeah, I have already mentioned it. It's I think it's uh, based off an Ultima game. Am I correct in, in that, Jay, or no? Yeah, Ultima uh, just meaning Maiden, but yeah, it's based off a visual novel that uh, we've been exposed to before, so I'm actually excited to talk about it, but are you ready to get into news? Because there's actually some video game news as well. Exactly! That was... <laughs> that, that was... that was intentional. But I would I would want to save uh, the video game closer to uh, the end so that we can have a better transition. And uh, what I can do to transition us into the news is a little bit of light. Uh, I guess like mainly the visuals that reminds me of uh, Cyberpunk. So that's a bit of a segue if we want to go there. So, but real quick, time codes, description, screen box. There we go. Now we're here to talk about the news and. Uh, I want to say this was something that uh, you and uh, had sort of predicted a little bit, or I don't know if it was wishful thinking or it was uh, manifesting it, but uh, this bit of news, we've learned that the uh, group known as DMM Pictures, and along with the studio Troika, the studio who made Outdoor Zero, along with We Creators, they have made an official website to promote an anime original work that they are uh, collaborating with each other for. And the work is entitled Shinobi no Itoki, 
and it was teased that it will be premiering later on this year of anime 2022 and as i said as i said earlier uh the visual it has a very futuristic cyberpunk type feel to it and we see uh this uh female figure in this sort of i guess you would say a not necessarily metal gear uh setup but more akin to like a ghost in a cell uh sort of futuristic uh uh ninja uh type uh uniform and uh jay with this new bit of news how how are you feeling about uh more studios doing uh more anime original works it does seem to be a trend i mean there's always been like original works it's like not something new to the industry but it does seem like a lot of studios are like attempting you know a little bit more freedom nowadays because this is studio um uh, troika and they only have been around for not even a decade yet i think they were established back in 2013 but like you said they did uh, a noah zero which is like one of the most standout mechas of the you know decade and then they're also responsible for recreators they've also be responsible for idolish seven which is a very highly rated um boys idol anime which i haven't gotten a chance to check out but it has so much merchandise and you know profitability behind it i'm not surprised if that's what they're or that's what's allowing them to do this property and it does seem that the you know the title shinobi no itoki translates to like time of the time of the shinobu or time of the ninja i guess so it does make sense if it's going to be like a futuristic time period where ninjas come back and they like resurface maybe something akin to like ninja gaiden gaiden and i'm kind of excited for it especially with its release date in this year so with how studios you know market their properties it looks to be like probably in the terms of six months from now when it's going to be released probably in the fall so we'll probably get a couple of things like the pv pretty soon we'll get the cast adoptment pretty soon and then a full trailer probably pretty soon as well so they're going to have to get moving because the studio again is very young they're not really known for much i mean they did tackle one of the fates uh fate series installments i think with one of the el malloy series not familiar <laughs> we will have a guest that could have talked about it more but i guess we'll talk about that later but yeah it seems to be interesting that the studio is at least taking this risk right now because they're pretty young so hopefully more oh, studios yeah. do take this under advisement for the future as you said uh anime originals is not something new but it seems like we are seeing more of it like for instance akudama drive which was an anime original and that was very uh done very well and i've enjoyed uh troika's uh recreators uh, very much so. So I am very interested to see what their own uh, original stories, um, what, 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 what will come of it. And talking about original stories, we shall be transitioning to our next bit of news where we have learned that a manga that uh, Hayao Miyazaki had made, or I, I guess... Uh, it's considered more of a graphic novel, at least from what the article says, uh, that was, that he made about 40 years ago, uh, known as Shuna no Tabi, or The Journey of Shuna. It's finally getting its English translation released here in the States. And uh, the people who will be handling it is uh, the publishing company known as First Second Books. And the translations will be done by Alex Dukak de Witt. And essentially, this story is following this prince known as Shuna, who leaves his village to search for something that's known as golden seeds to help his uh, village from starving. And along the way, he runs into characters known as godmen, and as well as enslaved girls on his journey. And it's just very interesting to me that the visual for this graphic novel is very, very reminiscent of uh, Princess Mononoke. And uh, it, it's just very interesting to me because I, 
it, it's uh, kind of interesting that like it, it never really dawned on me that uh, with all the amount of works that uh, Miyazaki has done, that he would have sat down and written out a manga and or a graphic novel in his time as well. But uh, Jay, what are your thoughts on this? If you've seen any <laughs> documentaries on Miyazaki, sorry, I have to say Hayao Miyazaki because his son is becoming not as famous, but he's becoming at least prevalent in the industry, so Hayao Miyazaki. But yeah, Hayao Miyazaki has published about ooh, uh, softballing around uh, 15 graphic novels and manga series. And okay. it's interesting about Suna's Journey because it is a kind of a concept. He wrote Nausicaa of the Valley and Suna's Journey at the same time. And it's weird that one of them took off and the other one didn't. But yeah, like you said, Sam, is that this is, does feel very reminiscent of Princess Mononoke because the two characters have like giant elks that they ride. <laughs> and uh, there is this like sense of uh, going to this distance land to save a people. So you can kind of wrap that in because Miyazaki has this love for other cultures, folk stories. So it doesn't it does make sense that it bleeds over into like other works and especially this one because it is a watercolor graphic novel and there was like 140 pages of it and it makes sense that it did take this long to kind of get around to its english translation because like what works of Hayao Miyazaki do you pick because he's a prevalent anime film director but he's also done a lot of novel writing as well as graphic novel writing same thing like with some short films so like there's a whole if you go to Japan and go to like his museum, like you see a lot of these smaller works that he's done and like, you know, his famous documentaries about himself and autobiographies. So I'm not surprised that this is coming up, especially since he's coming back for his film next year. I think it's called How Do You Live? Um, yep. Yeah, How Do You Live? And it does make sense that, again, to build up the hype of Hayao Miyazaki coming back finally, hopefully for the last time, because... I hate when he goes on break and says, oh, I'm not going to come back. And then he comes back. He's not a, he's not Quentin Tarantino who says, I'm going to do 10 films and we're done. He's like, quit and come back, quit and come back several times in the past. But hopefully this is a trend that more of his graphic novels get either adaptations, gets translated, or get turned to film. So I'm looking forward to that. This is an upward trend for him. Oh, same here. And I am very interested about... Uh the film that he's coming in uh, to work on. And according to uh, the article, uh, it, he is about half, or at least the animation is, for the film is about halfway finished. So as you said, I think it is um, anticipated that we should see this movie sometime next year. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting because I know like we've seen his uh, peers or I don't know if he, they would even be considered his peers, but at least like the people in, in the same group who've done uh, Bell. Uh, I, I can't remember his name, but at least like the other people that are well known in the industry, like they've done uh, new, newer movies as well. And then to see him to come back, I feel as though it's a bit of a resurgence uh, in anime films, uh, so to speak. And, uh, talking a, about uh, resurgence, we for our next bit of news, we uh, have uh, seen that the uh, series uh, Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon, also known by uh, the fans as uh, Don Machi, they have released a season four teaser trailer in which... Uh, the uh, series will have its uh, fourth season or its uh, fourth big arc known as the Labyrinth arc uh, to be coming back later on this year of 2022. Now, Jay, I I, I don't know if I actually talked to you about uh, Don Maji, so I really don't know what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Don Machi kind of exists in this place, same thing with like a couple other shonen properties like World Trigger comes to mind, is that mm -hmm. they are good series, but they're so not mid, but they're so like beloved but didn't attract mainline attention, is that it can make a profit off of marketing and it's based off of like solid material and the fans are rabid about it. 
but it has been like sneaking past like the shonen scene for so many years because the first Don Machi came out in 2015 mm-hmm. and like there's like 37 episodes for them from the previous seasons and then a couple of OVAs and it's based off a light novel so again like all these things are working for it but like it's like one of those things of like who cares kind of thing <laughs> unfortunately because again it's a solid series and I haven't seen the first season second or third I've only seen the abridged version and that's kind of again what's stuck in my head and I've always uh, vibe with abridged versions for how they understand the story and can manipulate it in a way to make it a little bit more enjoyable because uh, it's done by studio jc staff who does all the bottom tier shonen series oh, so it kind of hurts that yeah that i guess it doesn't get as much love as it does because again i think a lot of these shonen series that are you know passing by with i guess a minimum attention aren't really getting their spawn the limelight because of like the bigger names because like again they was outshadowed by like black clover and my hero academia and all these other things even though it has an interesting takes on the greek pantheon and like the relationship between heroes and the magic system of that world again i can go into it by virtue of knowing the bridge series but i don't know what's actually true but yeah bell for like a um and antagonist or i'm sorry protagonist of the series and his best girl hestia kind of like threw a lot of people off because they saw hestia's character design and kind of wrote it off so i'm actually interested to see if this is going to be the final season and if people have gotten tired of don machi or just how people are going to receive it in 2022 but sam since you've watched some of it or all of it what do you think i agree with you in the sense that like it definitely has lulls and uh the first few seasons it was overshadowed by other uh shonens and for a fairly good reason because the premise of the show is essentially his his goddess uh gives him a power to where he can level up at a exponential rate uh until he gets his um I'm trying to think uh, exactly what the details are. It's like until he is uh, recognized by uh, the uh, uh, the woman that he loves, so- something like that. Because uh, in the beginning, he wanted to uh, be strong enough so that he can be recognized as a peer with uh, somebody that he's infatuated with. After the first season, I think it's like the second season. Like it sort of shifts away from that. Um, he starts to build up. Uh, the Familia, which, as you had mentioned, is sort of like a guild that each uh, deity has for, um, like, within this world, and he starts uh, building up uh, his uh, deity's Familia, and they start to really address some of the issues in that world. So, like, for instance, they have their own, quote-unquote, entertainment district art, where they uh, deal with uh, prostitution and it's kind of interesting because uh, of ha- of uh, Japan's uh, view on uh, prostitution it's sort of different from like what the uh, shows of view on prostitution is and it- it's kind of interesting seeing how they try and meld that together and not only that but um, after that season they focus on sort of the dynamics between heroes and monsters and they sort of flip that on its head and uh they start to have a, a, a sort of like an existential questioning is like whether or not you know them heroing and killing these monsters for gold whether or not it's really good uh, that sort of thing and so like this fourth season is sort of bringing it back to its origin where they're going back into the labyrinth and they're starting to travel again and it's would be interesting to see them move forward after going through the emotional growth that had led them up to this point. So I'm interested to see where this story is going to go and, you know, whether or not, like, this is going to help embellish on the story because we only know a little bit about the uh, family or at least, like, how families work or why the deities uh make uh familiar 
uh, to begin with. And so like to have a season where it sort of focuses on that relationship, I think it may build on it a little bit more. So like you said before, it's a bit of a slow start. So we'll see if uh, season four really uh, does uh, any does the series any good and now we'll go on to uh second to last bit of news the penultimate news where we're talking about fire force and fire force has finally uh come to a close and uh they had mentioned that uh well and uh fire force had ran for a total of 304 chapters uh, for this final week, it has been giving uh, multiple uh, covers uh, for the magazine that uh, co- cover uh, cover color pages, and there also have been news of some more um, things uh, coming out that they will be doing to um, celebrate the franchise, uh, c- celebrate its ending. And uh, Jay, do you have any thoughts on Fire Force coming to a close? I've seen a couple of the final pages of the series, and I haven't delved into the manga at all. I've loved the first two seasons. Again, it's something done by David Productions, which you have to love for their sound design purely. And I've talked high praise about them before in the past, so I'll skip over that now. But it mm-hmm. does vibe with the same ending. At least I've seen what I've seen of it, but the same ending of soul eater which again is another ending among the series that i love so can't wait to dive into fire force especially with these mangas that are basically just 300 volumes because again that is the same case with demon slayer which i think mangakas of this era that have grown up with like oda as the champion of the art form that he is that you can't mm-hmm. just keep doing decades manga and you know again it's something that's change with the industry is that these mangakas know a little bit better about how to promote themselves and how to take care of themselves so i'm glad that fire force has ended maybe because of waning population or that the mangaka did reach the end of the story but i think this is a new story that is more revealing of other things or other significance than itself because if you look at the past year sorry this past year and the previous year before Mm -hmm. there have been a lot of major shonen titles that have just ended that i think the industry didn't know that this was going to be a thing and again i think they don't know how to adapt to it because in 2020 demon slayer ended haiku ended haiku uh promise neverland ended b stars ended this year and hell's paradise which is getting an anime adaptation later this year ended as well and then there's also the manga's seriously seriously moneymaker mangas right now that are in their final arcs like my hero academia tokyo revengers dr stone kaguya sama's love is war and even juju kaisen is coming to an end probably in the next two years so i think the news that fire force ended is like significant but it's more significant when you consider that it's probably one of the last beacons to show people that oh yeah mangas that have been going on for like half a decade are going to end at the same time. It's just going to be this giant vacuum. So we've talked a little bit about Kaiju number nine is probably coming up. The Mm. uh, Spy X family is getting adaptation. It's also been doing well. But other than that, it seems to be this blank canvas of what the manga anime scene is going to be in the next few years. So hopefully I'm wrong that there's going to be something that's rise up in the void or in the absence, you know, like One Piece might come to an end pretty potentially soon. Bleach is coming back. But yeah, I'm sad that Fire yeah. Force is ending, but I'm definitely going to get the mangas now. No, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. And as you said, like it's sort of like a changing of the guard. I know, uh, for instance, when um, it, it's, it's kind of odd because it's reminiscent of like when Bleach, uh, Naruto, and One Piece came out. Because... It seems like they came out just as uh, Dragon Ball Z was waning over here in the West. So it's like, you know, they were able to uh, sort of uh, carry on uh, the banner of anime, so to speak. And now that, like, a lot of them have gone and, you know, we've seen uh, My Hero sort of come up and pick up it, its banner and Jujutsu Kaisen only within the last few years sort of doing the same thing. But, like, as they're 
going as quickly as they came, and it, it's kind of hard to see, like you said, who, who the next um, uh, uh, banner uh, supporters will be. But I guess it's also exciting, too, because it gives newer creators a chance to step into the spotlight and to show their stuff. But along with that, we shall be going to our final bit of news, which is the fact that uh, Nier Automata, which is a, a game, will be heading to Japanese screens with its own anime adaptation. Jay, I'm not very familiar with the series, but I have seen this name pop up several times before. Are you familiar with this video game franchise? Not at all, because <laughs> uh, like, I'm aware of it like by virtue of like osmosis with the mm -hmm. gaming industry. But yeah, Nier Automata is a really beloved series. It kind of falls into the vein of those philosophical walkabouts, but it has like the combat system to make it a uh, thrilling and action-driven combat-oriented series as well. But like the main character's name is B2 or 2B, sorry. Yeah, the main character's name is 2B. And it does have this goth aesthetic vibe that vibes with like the same uh, Kingdom Hearts kind of aesthetic of Organization 13. That's kind of how I place that in my head. But yeah, it's a weird property maybe to adapt into an anime because, I mean, we just saw Arcane and haven't really given any determinative facts about if Ar Arcane is anime or not yet because I haven't watched it. But again, oh, I believe it's Arcane in my heart. I, mean, I believe it's anime in my heart. I I've seen Arcane and I love it. <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, yeah, so right now there's not much to this news story because there's mm -hmm. the, I went to the official websites. And there's no listed anime studio. Like the only thing that we have is like a promotional something of something, just showing that two yeah. uh, B is like in like uh, pencil sketch form right now. But yeah, the only thing I can predict about this is probably is going to be done by Studio Square Enix because they have a mm -hmm. very dedicated animation studio, even though they've only done two original animes, which is the Dragon Quest anime from 2019 as well as uh, King's Glaive which is from the Final Fantasy 15 series but it's weird because Square Enix has their fingers in so many other anime <laughs> that it's weird that maybe this is like their first original take on things but all the other anime they have their fingers in like range from like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood to most recently Case Study of Vanitas so they definitely have the credits to do more anime so this is probably their dipping a toe into the anime scene to see if they're going to do what Netflix has been doing, what um, whoever did Arcane did. But yeah, they do have a lot of video game properties, so this might actually lead to like a Kingdom Hearts anime potentially. Oh, you sure that's not a bit of a reach? I mean, because um, I'm just looking over the uh, different... Um, I was just looking at the Wikipedia for Nier Automata. It seems like there's other uh, spin-off games and um, that have multiple endings that they can definitely delve into uh, if they wanted to animate, uh, if 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 this uh, does pick up. But I can I can kind of see them like wanting to go Kingdom Hearts, but I feel as though I think it's been uh, mentioned before. It seems like Square Enix is one of those studios that does video games, but just wants to do movies. And it's just like, or or TV shows, it's like, why don't you just do it? It's like you have, like, the knowledge and know-how and you have the resources to do it. But, I mean, their video games have been uh, very fun and very, um, uh, have, have been, uh, not stigmatizing, but they have been uh, staples and uh, groundbreaking in their respective genres. And... Looking back at this, because it seems like near it, it was released on the PlayStation 4 and it came out in 2017. And with it being as uh, popular as it has been, it makes me want to go back and re uh, play the game. Because as you said, like it seems to have like that sort of um, cyberpunk uh, high meta feel to it. But as you said, like all they do is talk about the gameplay. So I'm thinking like, it, it's going to be it's good for a reason and people like it for that 
that was the news, and uh, we will be going on to the anime at hand, which is also a video game, and we will be talking about whether or not this game this uh, game needed its uh, anime, uh, whether or not it should be beloved, and its anime is known as Hi- uh, Hiro no Kekira, the Tamori Princess Saga, and... Uh, again, time codes, descriptions, and now, Jay, I think this is another uh, pick of yours, so why don't you give us a brief synopsis and how uh, you came across uh, choosing this anime? It's an odd thing that we're coming to this anime again, which, mm-hmm. again, because we have covered Hakuki in our first season of the podcast back in 2010, and oddly enough, I don't know if I did this on purpose or subconsciously, but this is also another visual, based off another visual no- novel mm-hmm. by Idea Factory, which is the same people responsible for Hakuki. And also Hakuki was done by the same studio that did this. So shared the same studio, the gaming producer, as well as an animation studio. So it's done by Studio Dean, who's responsible for a wide range of anime that if you show someone that's anime or if you show someone that doesn't watch anime anime that the studios that you usually go to are studio dean and studio cj staff because those are the most palatable non-offensive animes out there they do the anime aesthetic very well they don't have a unique uh flair to their studio they just get good um animators to do clean jobs and clean works and animations, but nothing too extraordinary. But Studio Dean is also responsible for Konosuba, and oh, they're responsible okay. for Log Horizon. They're responsible for, uh, most recently, the Sorceress, Sorceress Stabber Orphan. So, like again, they have such a wide range of anime that you forget that they've done something like this series. And it's, two, that is th- 13 episodes. It's available in High Dive. It premiered back in April 1st, 2012. So that's all the information tidbits out the way. And then the story is centered on a teenage girl foretold to become a shrine priestess in charge of sealing or keeping sealed a demonic sword alongside uh, five guardians in charge of her protection. And that's the lowdown of the background information because there's... A lot to talk about here, because (laughs) if you look at the... Well, for one, I can't say the full title's name. I know the translated English title, which is the um, Scarlet Fragments, and then everything you said about the uh, Tamoyuki. Tamoyuri. is the subtitle of it, because Mm -hmm. there's a second season. It's based off a visual game novel that was for the PlayStation 2, so it's of that time as well. And it definitely feels like that. Where I want to start with this is that this made me appreciate Haikuki so much more that I would actually go rewatch it now because it is something really not off-putting with Ultimate Games, again, that they take this video game that has multiple roots. Same thing with like the Fate series with, we talked about the world only God knows, Mm -hmm. but they do take a stance where why you play a visual novel is that you pursue the romantic interests of the character you want to pursue but yeah. in the anime they just rock hard set you into a path that follows what i've now i'm putting my notes as the first contact rule <laughs> it's like <laughs> what, whatever boy she meets first is the one she's destined to be with which is such a weird way to take a root game because again like most video games like even like what you said with near automata is that adapting a video game story into a long-term or even mini-series is such a hard thing. You really have to get Mm -hmm. people that know what they're doing. And to this point, even up until 2022, it hasn't really been done well. And even when we go back to 2012, it's not good. (laughs) It's like a nice way to say it. But we are revisiting this, hopefully to never revisit again, because... I think this is something that's just keyed into the genre, as in horror movies scare you, comedies make you laugh, that these ultimate games 
these romantic simulators are inscribed in their DNA to be terrible because yeah. of the main character has to be an insert for whoever's viewing the anime. And that's not exclusive to this genre. Like it happens all out through power fantasies. Like you're supposed to see yourself in the protagonist's shoes because you're like, oh, I could do that. Or I could do that if I was in that situation. This series does everything else wrong as well because you get introduced to these her harem. Uh, don't like to use reverse harem because that's doesn't make any sense. But yeah, a harem, harem for yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a harem for girls and harem for boys. But but whatever. But yeah, this harem is like made up of like the four base personality types. It's the stoic one the cheerful one the tsunade or the sundere one which is mm. uh, easily to anger and then there's the kind one usually like an older senpai older classmate kind of role and there's a fifth one now um with this which is weird so i don't know why they added an extra dude in, but uh an extra dude i don't even know what his type is he's just like oh he's the younger character so he's like the genki um childhood character without being the childhood friend oh, character. The, yeah, the, the, the little brother without yeah, being the little, little brother. brother. Character. Yeah, so no matter how you split this, like to set up the story with somewhat of a solid premise is that she's coming to this small town, her grandmother was in charge of the shrine, and now she's a unwilling participant discovering that, oh, I have a foretold destiny that I need to protect this sword that is bad news if people get a foretold destiny is never told to her <laughs> yeah exactly so she's a first of all she's she's yeah. unknowing of her destiny she's also unwilling because she just stumbled into it she was like hey surprise you're a shrine priestess but then on top of that her character is a blank slate so she doesn't have any agency in that choice either she's she can't just be like you know what grandma no i'm just going to leave the town and not do this like Yes, you're entitled to like protecting the lives of humanity or whatever, but it's like also a thing of giving the character a choice to do that. Mm. And the choice of doing that is robbed from her. And it's so, again, giving the watcher no place to start. I can ramble on about what I didn't like about this series, but it's so weird because of we had a episode called, or we covered a series called Star Driver which mm -hmm. was essentially the same premise of protecting a site from evildoers. So we get introduced to the Lagos or Logos um, in the third episode. There's the villainous organization trying to unseal the sword by destroying the ceiling crest or sites, artifacts. And the five boys are supposed to protect it with some kind of sense of magical abilities, but their magical abilities aren't really good. There's a guy that left to go training and they're all stronger together, like the Power Rangers, I guess. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yes, it's a weird mixture of like story beats that we have seen before that we've talked about on the podcast that we've actually liked. And but then it does this to a lesser degree in the most uninteresting way possible. But Sam, mm. I'm assuming you didn't like it either. But <laughs> uh, can you pick out like one key feature that bugged you the most, maybe? So. Uh... <laughs> I hate it that it was an ultimate game. I I didn't so uh, one one thing I wanted wanted to uh clarify because you uh akined it to um I'm I'm sorry. What what was the name of the previous ultimate game that we did? Hokoki? Yeah, yeah. Hokoki, yeah, so, yeah. So you you made it seem as though like it's in the same series. So like is it just like an anthology type thing just like made by the same people or is this supposed to be like a similar like, within that same universe, like, same storyline type thing. Oh, yeah. So, Idea Factory, they make yeah. visual novels. So, it's just another property they have done. Okay, okay, okay. I, I didn't know if it was, like, a Garden of Sinners and uh, Fate uh, uh, series uh, type setup. Or, like, like you said, it was just made by the same people. All right, so, it's funny that you said that you had... Um, preferred Hakoki to this because I am in a different camp where I prefer this to Hakoki mainly because the story is more linear this go around and I, I guess that's because like they have uh like you said like they have a focus on a specific route whereas in the other one it's like in Hakoki it's sort of like they're bouncing around between every 
a possible love interest, so you don't really have like that linear type story. Uh, and I guess like with and with this one, like because they focus more on a singular route, you like this the story is more understandable. But <laughs> my huge complaint is that it's it's sort of like a stop go stop go i akin it mainly to whenever i'm reading like a stephen king work uh just like how the pacing is like you st uh start up uh at a cold stop and then like once you start going and you start getting into the rhythm then you're at another cold stop and you have to start up again and the only reason that the story has that stop go stop go is because the main uh the problem princess that i like to call her uh tamaki she likes to intervene is like bit this story isn't about you let me find out what's going on with the power rangers and you know with the the um the uh demon sword thing right it's like as you said like she has to sort of like assert herself or at least she has to be blank so that uh the viewer or the participant um the player can assert themselves into the story but then you know as the story's getting good she has to do something to stop the story completely dead cold i mean like for instance in the third episode where we have the uh the the antagonistic force trying to break down the barriers in opening up the seal you know, things were getting good. It's like, we're seeing the baddies. We're starting to see, like, some conflict. We're seeing the boys actually having to do their guard duties. And then she comes onto the scene. It's like, no, stop. And literally the bad guy's like, hey, guys, we need a dip. And they leave. Literally because she says no. And it's very frustrating because, as I said, it's like we're getting, you know, to like a little bit more of like the world building stuff. It's like, why do they want to destroy the world with this demon sword? Who are they? Like, why do I care? You know, it's like we're starting to get into that. And then we have the main uh, the main character basically stop the story because of reasons, I guess. But essentially like i like how again like i much prefer how they choose a specific route whether or not it's the route that they should have chosen because like you said it's just like the first contact thing and this guy is obviously a jerk and she shouldn't like him but i guess because he can get that emotional reaction out of her she starts to uh have a dopamine trip on that and wants to go after him even more but Still, it's just just a bit annoying that they're trying to work in like the romantic aspects of that, and I, I'm just thinking to myself is like I much rather be watching a work that does root games a lot better, uh, either being Steins Gate or being Fate, but um, like like I said, it, it was just very interesting to me that you much prefer uh hakoki to this and could you remind me again why you prefer Haiko uh hakoki to uh tomoya princess tamori i think it's additional to like the genre when you add it into the historic aspect of it because again mm -hmm. like just as foreigners or those that are unfamiliar with japanese history in an intimate way like seeing all the events played out and that you get the sense of being educated and that's what kind of drove me for hakuki because hakuki because it is like a self-insert yeah so i wrote this as well because it made me laugh but yeah mm -hmm. all when it's like historic like that it's basically a fan fiction or a self-insert or you know i'm going to introduce my own oc into it and that just made <laughs> yeah. me like rethink about haikuki through that lens is that yes you want to experience history through the character that you create and they're not going to add or change anything but you are experiencing it through that character's eyes so you feel like you're as a viewer you feel like you're included in this story a little bit more uh intimately than what i experienced here in this series because you're watching a unlikable character or not unlikable but a blank character is really nothing 
to her and very much not anything really to the other characters as well because again the main uh, harem of this is like broken down between like those personality types but then add on top of that their hair color which bruh i was not sure about who was who for most of the time so like they have varying <laughs> heights and like of course their personality yeah. bleeds into how they speak but their hair colors are so dull and muted like there's like characters that have so all their co- hair colors are dark which i was like that's so now jarring that it's it's funny because you mentioned that um the guy that I like to call a sleeper cell the uh, uh Yuichi the guy who can sleep at any time right he, his hair color is white and like you just made me realize that like he he actually has a white hair color but like in the grand scheme of everything like he doesn't stand out which is so weird how like they're gonna dull down like a white haired colored character that never happened right and it it's it's not just because it's not standoutish but. It's also because it's like a dark white. It's like not gray, yeah. but it's not silver either. So the other hair colors, the main character or the main boy, whatever, is like dark red. It's not like scarlet red like the title would. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe scarlet Clear is dark by. red, but it's like bloody red. It's like really dark red. And then there's like dark purple. There's light purple. And there's dark green. <laughs> and I was like, and I like keyed it to wait, that wait, immediately. There, there's a dark green? Who was the dark green? Was was that Was that... Was that the guy with the glasses or no? Yeah, guy with the glasses, yeah. So, yeah, tall dude with glasses, yeah. And it's so weird because I keyed onto that immediately because I was like, oh, which best boy am I supposed to root for? Because it's a root game, of course. But it's like, they're so indistinguishable. I mean, there's a short guy and they all have their personalities, like I said. But it's not in the same way as um, Hakuki, who they all had their like signature look because they're based off of historic characters yeah and then even in the series for when they go into their magical they don't do like a magical girl transformation but whenever they activate their powers their like powers aren't that too like dissimilar to their hair color so like when they activate their seals or their abilities it's like we don't get any sense of what they're capable of yet we get a sense of they're stronger together that's why the turmoil of when the fifth uh, guardian shinji shows up in the third episode it's like why did you leave we're weaker without you and he's like well i didn't think i could grow here in the village and it's like a like that's the most character development you get from any of the characters like oh i wanted to do my job properly but i wasn't able to do it here with you guys so yeah. again you get the five power rangers back in episode three and then besides that it's like like you said i mean i'm just trying to vibe off of what you said because of mm-hmm the idea of what the Lagos, that's the villainous organization, presents in the third episode. And, bruh, their character designs are cool. They're definitely a standout. I wanted more screen time of them. And, like like you said, like, uh, not only that, but, like, their their names are different, right? It's, like, uh, one through four in German. And, like, their personalities are very, very distinct, uh, along with uh, the uniqueness of their character designs. And it's just like, give me more of these guys. I don't want, like, this bland boy band of Power Rangers. It's like, I want Eins, Y, Dry, and I forgot what number four is. But I want I, I want these guys. I want them. And it's weird because you're not supposed to really root for the bad guy. But I guess, like, when the good guys aren't all that good, like, who else are you supposed to root for, right? Right. Because, yeah, like you said, like, the antagonist, like, it does the three-episode test well, I guess. So... <laughs> the first episode, <laughs> there's, like, the establishment of the characters and the world, and it's like, oh, now we have a goal, we have, like, the personalities established. In the second episode, there's, like, a side romp of finding, like, a kitsune or a uh, wolf, or, sorry, fox, kitsune means uh, fox, and then they explain a little bit more about, like, the history behind the ceilings and, like, what she has to do to grow her power, which, again, she is powerless from, you know, this, uh, most of the... Uh, three episodes like she activates her powers like two times like when she first enters the town she's instructed by main boy about how to encant and protection around herself but it's like that's it and then at the very end like she shows up to like join the boys fighting but it's not really explained that if you listen in the second episode about why the priestess needs her five guardians is that their powers amplify 
So when you get to the third episode, you kind of forget that's the reason why the Lagos just runs away. Yeah. <laughs> because, oh, like, okay. she's an amplifier for her their abilities. But again, that's not a good character role for your main, you know, your protagonist that she just amplifies. Yeah, she just assists people. Yeah. yeah, she's a support character. And it's like, that doesn't endear you to her character at all. And it's just like a misplaced role for a main heroine or a hero for the series. So it's like, again, it's like they did everything wrong. And I hate to bag on a series because why bag on a series and review it? And I always think there's like a silver lining to a show. But I just solely didn't enjoy this in any slightest way. Like, the best thing about the show was the opening with the OP, because it had some good music. <laughs> I would, I would, that, that was very interesting. I, I, I was going to say that, like, it seemed as though, like, the opening was a lot more emotional than what the anime deserved. It, like, when you listen to the opening, you make, it, it makes you think that, you know, if, if you just watch it off the opening, right, it, it makes you feel as though that, the story is a lot deeper than what it actually is going to be. Like it, you feel as though there's going to be like emotional strife, turmoil, and actual conflict that is to come. But the characters don't really carry uh, the. I'm trying to think. It, it doesn't really carry like those ideals or uh, those feelings that you get from the intro. I um it, it, it's funny that you talked about support characters because it it made me think about uh Josuke from JoJo Part Four, and in the sense that in that work um or in that uh section of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, that was the first time that a JoJo was a support character, but when you watch the show. He doesn't feel like a support character. He feels like he has. I think. It, I think the main difference between him and the problem princess. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tamaki, is that is that sense of agency, right? Whereas with uh, Josuke, even though he doesn't play as big as a role as his friends do, like he has this sense of he makes decisions for his own person so that he can support these people and he he is active in his own story whereas in tamaki whereas with tamaki she is very very passive and it, it, it's I, I guess the thing that makes it more um frustrating is that the passivity seems ingenuous when she has these you know when, when she has comments such as you know, it's like all this, you know, me just being a princess, it's too much to take in. It's like you say that, but you're acting a different way. You know, it's like you don't really seem somebody who really is all that upset that all of a sudden you're now a princess. And even though you don't have any uh, information about your situation, you don't actively pursue it, right? The only time that we see her actively pursue this information is her first day in class when she lends into that glasses chick who's also a transfer student right so she's trying to uh learn trying try to gain friends and she reaches out to her it's like hey do you know about this uh tamar uh tamari uh princess stuff right and then she's immediately hurried away by uh takuma the uh redhead guy he she's then immediately hurried away by him and he's like yo you can't talk about these things because people are trying to get your power and she's like yo i don't even know what my power is i'm just trying to get information right any way that i can and, but like aside from that we don't see her being active in her journey and i guess like that's what's more that's what's most infuriating about that you know yeah so it seems like again maybe just a problem in the writing room or the writing process mm -hmm. of this maybe just a mistranslation from the visual novel which again can happen and again probably is the main point of why this pro why the series seems so plotted out for no reason because you know even for the three episode test introducing the villains in the third episode is kind of bog standard and what you expect from three episode tests in which we've mm -hmm. kind of seen a, a lot this season as well 
but for how slow the first two episodes are, it's definitely needed to introduce the villains a lot earlier and even do a little bit diving into the magical system because like right now there's no real rules to what they can do. There's no real demonstration of what their power extent is or how like working together really works. So again, like after three episodes, you really don't have anything to clean on to from a character standpoint, from a narrative standpoint, from even plotting forward to what these 12 episodes can be because there is a second season again following the kind of game pathway of the same thing with Hakuki having a mm-hmm. second season but based on everything of what I just said in like the most negative light I've ever been with the anime I'm going to say if we're going to give this a final decision of resurrect or reburied I'm going to bury it I, I am right there with you this deserves to be buried all right Easy, easy claps on this anime, <laughs> but uh, can you remind me of the name again, Sam? The name for this anime is Hiro no Kakera, uh, the Tamori Princess Saga, and it has gotten a resounding rebury from both Jay and myself. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, there's better examples because like it's not even in the same class of Oran Host Club, which is always the go-to staple of this kind of romantic uh slice of life genre because it's not really uh orion host club isn't really otome but it is the kind of slice of life that this kind of falls into because it's in the school setting so there is comedy there is action there is drama i guess but (laughs) (laughs) it's like so lightly sprinkled in there to it that you can't really give it any solid genre tag to that so i'm just going to say it's an otome game but yeah, that was our 10-year discussion on this. We are a little bit early on the 10 years since it's premiered on April Fool's Day <laughs> back in 2012. <laughs> but yeah, that was an interesting revisit to, or not, we didn't even revisit it, but um, a visiting for the first time this. And just to note that this is episode 75, which is interesting of a anime to end on episode 75, but we're halfway through your term as host, Sam. So I wanted to let you know that you have another 25 weeks before you have to hand it over <laughs> back to <Woo>! me. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I would have to say, like, I've gotten used to the rings of uh, being uh, the host. But, you know, I, I think that uh, with that being said, the audience would definitely be, uh, would, would definitely enjoy having you back um, soon. But, they got to stick around with me for just a little bit, just a little, little bit longer. Um, and uh, so, like you said, that was the results for our 75th episode. And the next episode that we will be coming back to you will be when we review the 2012 movie Berserk the Golden Age Arc Part 1 Egg of the King. And it's kind of interesting that we're still within the fantasy genre with these last couple weeks because this is uh going to be in the uh the darker side of fantasy uh that we will be uh visiting uh for our next episode yeah it's really exciting because again surprise surprise we have a another guest coming back or not another guest but a old guest coming back for what a third time i think now so pretty happy to have so. him back yes. yeah yeah to cover berserk because berserk for 2012 came out in three parts for the golden age arc so i'm very excited to hear our guest thoughts about that and actually visit berserk for the first time but that will be the end of our winter season and then we'll come back in about a month's time to cover anime from or the following season of 2012 which we'll be covering like animes like excel world corona basket space brothers and even the first season of kingdom came out in 2012, which I'm very excited about because it's been a highly competitive manga series with One Piece for like a decade now, and no one really talks about Kingdom at all, so I'm really excited to talk about it oh, for the first time. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so definitely be be able to give uh, some of the more uh, understated anime to do, or uh, understated uh, works, not necessarily understated. What's it? What's the word? Overlooked. Underdog. Yeah, overlooks. And um, I am definitely excited because, like you said, uh, some of the works that we're going to be going into, uh, so, some of them uh, 
the more popular ones I haven't seen before, and some of them I have, and it's just going to be great, grand fun. Now, Jay, uh, aside from that, what do you have for us today? All right, to close up, I want to share at least a five-star review of this anime because I felt, <laughs> un or I didn't feel like I gave it enough due credit for what it was able to do. So this is a review by Orchid Knight, who said, one of my top five animes of all time. One of the few reverse harem series, so I love it. If you're a fan of uh, uh, Kami-sama Kiss, Oran, Host Club, or Fruit Baskets, you will love to. It's more dramatic than the others listed, but sometimes I like to take a break from the comedy. Uvu face at the very end. 